Well, welcome again, everybody. I'm, uh, you know, it's always exciting when people show up the first time. It really excites me when people show up the second time. <laughs> Although, last week the front row was like packed and, and you were on the front row last week, so <laughs> I'm just going to let it go. It'll be all right. So, thank you guys for coming out. Um, I just uh, appreciate it. I know there's some people coming in. We'll just wait just a second and have a word of prayer and just see what God has for us tonight. You guys ready for tonight? All right. It's interesting when I do these kind of things, I don't come with a real hard structure because I'm taking an 11 part series that's been worked out over my lifetime and trying to crunch it into four times that we have together. So I'm just kind of rambling a little bit. And last week, the rambling seemed to work okay. I I think it did anyway. For a speaker, if you wanted to encourage me, that was a good place for you to say it was fine. But that's okay. I'm I'm very secure. (laughs) I'm very insecurity. All right. So anyway... um, All right, let's, let's take a minute and uh, pray. Father, tonight, um, I just thank you that in my life, I thank you that what the devil meant to destroy me, by your grace, you turned it around and um, have used it to benefit me. And I'm grateful for that, Lord. And Lord, as I just kind of share some of my little homespun stories of what you've done in my life, I pray it'd be encouraging to others. I pray that it would, you would do what I can't do, and that's tailor-make it into everybody's situation and bring revelation and breakthrough. And I pray that just some of the words I would share tonight would just be part of the building blocks to build the lives that you've called us to. And I'm just honored to do so, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. People don't know this, but I was... When I was a child, I was told so often... I didn't have a voice as a kid... And so that sometimes reflects when it's time for me to speak, because there's times I, I start wondering, um, I know this is going to probably sound silly to you, but I, I was told to shut up and sit down so often as a kid, and, and I didn't really have a voice, my opinion didn't matter, that kind of thing, so, so I, I felt like I didn't have a voice, and so sometimes, even to this day, after preaching now for 29 years, there are still moments when I wonder... Does anything that I say have any value? But isn't it great that it's not what I'm saying, but I'm hoping tonight that God will speak and just use my story to help other people out. Uh, A couple of things, just to kind of bring some uh, um, just reminder and rehearsal of last week. And again, just if you were just coming in, this is not like a typical Sunday where I'm going to try to preach a real nice, tight, polished message. I'm, I'm going to kind of ramble and pull some things from here and there, and, and I hope that's okay with you because I think my spiritual gift is to ramble. How many can relate to that? Okay. And so, good. Okay. So, all the ramblers, let's, let's hit it. Um, um, so, we, we've been talking about this series, Roots, and we're just going to crunch it into a few parts. I just do want to remind you, next Monday, it probably won't get promoted on Sunday because there's so many things going on, but next Monday, one more, uh, it'll be our last one. Invite you to come because next Monday I'm really going to talk to you a little more specific about 
what are some changes we can, how do we identify, how do we begin to pull them out? And, and I'm going to hit a few of those little points tonight, uh, perhaps. But, but I want you to be reminded that in just the short time that I have to kind of deal with these issues is that I'm really just kind of trying to stir your curiosity. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I hate when, when speakers only give you the problem and they don't give you the solution. And, and I know as churchgoers, we're always like, well, the solution is Jesus. Well, yes, I know that. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. But uh, So I'm just trying to identify. All I'm trying to do is... Uh, uh, you know, arouse some things perhaps that have been buried in you that you haven't thought about in years, but you still are plagued with the question, why do I do certain things I don't want to do? Just real quick, so I feel like I'm at home. Uh, does, does anybody ever ask yourself, why do I do that one thing I wished I didn't do? Or the two things I wished I did, or the three things, you know, okay. All right. I just needed to show of hands because like I said last week, I get real nervous if I'm like trying to preach to perfect people, you know, like I just, I can't relate. So I just feel awkward. So anyway, um, this, the, the subject of um, a root, I, I want to do a little backtrack and, and it starts with a fruit and and so we identified this, and let me just kind of re-identify a couple of things. Every fruit is an action in our life, whether it's good or bad. So love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit. Those, those are not just things we say we believe, but they're actions in our life, right, everyone? So love is an action. Love is a verb, right? And so, so, so forth. And, and so when we talk about the, the bad fruit in our life or the bad actions in our life, it's not just that I have anger, but anger manifests itself. Depression manifests itself. Fear manifests itself. Lust, pride, greed, all those things, they're fruit, but they are actions in our life. The, going back to Paul's statement, why do I do or why do I act in a way that I wish that I didn't act? And, um, and so then we trace that back to a root, and, when it, and I'm just going to be specific to the bad roots of our life. The bad roots of our life are the strongholds of our life. And a stronghold is just a Bible word that just, um, it's a Bible word that really, the meaning of it is a wrong way of thinking about something, or the wrong way to process something. So for example, in my life, when there was a problem or a crisis, I had a stronghold, a bad root system that caused me to process every problem with, with in, in one avenue, and that was through anger. So uh, many say when you, psychologists say when you grow up and you're constantly under trauma, you're constantly under stress, there's constant, what happens in our brain is that the logic side, it's almost like a muscle. I, I, the, the logic part, the logic, the reasoning, the conversation part of our brain goes undeveloped and the fight or flight gets overworked. And so then we grow up and we try to fit into everyday life and have logical conversations with your spouse about what should we have for dinner tonight, <laughs> you know. If you were here last week, you, you remember that story. And... Uh, I can see that I was such an idiot that a lot of people didn't come back. So anyway, but uh, I'm just kidding. So, but, but what happens is when you're just trying to have 
uh, disagreements or every issue like that, I didn't know how to have logical conversation and have a difference of opinion. Can anybody here relate to that? Anybody? I'm just curious. And so everything became a fight because I seen every problem as a nail. So I always carried around a big hammer. And I just, all I needed to make sure is that I had a bigger hammer than she did, you know? But how many know you can win the battle and not win the war or the other way around or whatever it is, right? So, um, and so those are the actions of our life. And so that was the situation in my life that because I never had a voice and there was unresolved hurt, it developed a root system in my life that manifested in a lot of ways. But the primary one that I just had to really deal with was the subject of anger because I didn't know how to, uh, if you disagreed with me, I felt threatened. And uh, isn't that a terrible way to live? Because God made us all different personalities, and we need differences of opinions and those kind of things. So, uh, and, then, and so that root then comes from a seed, and the seed gets planted in the soil of our heart through the accidents of life, the hurts of life, abandonments, the, just, just all of the nasties that happen. The things we choose to do, and how many know some of those bad seeds come from things that happen to us that we did not choose to do, right? And, uh, and, and there's many in this room, I'm sure... Uh, like myself, that there were things that happened that were out of my control, that were not my fault, but I was in the circumstance. I was a child in that home, and so forth and so on. Um, Tim, I didn't tell you this, but there might be a part I end up sharing tonight that I'll probably ask you to take off the recorder. <laughs> so uh, if, I, if I get to that, because there's, no, because there's certain things that I don't want people to hear that it would affect them. You, you understand? Okay, so just, just trust me, everybody. All right. Man, you're already booing me. I'm three minutes in. Come on. All right. Uh, 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 and so every seed is an event. Uh, that can happen to us, and, and I don't really need to define that any further. And then what happens is those negative roots grow in the soil of shame. We feel like, I'm just no good. I'm, I'm, I'm the problem. Um, it's, it's, or a, a, a Bible word or a religious word for that would be uh, condemnation. Just, um, just that's what it is, condemnation. And, and, and I remember I, I went to a counselor a number of years ago, uh, and, and I was doing good in life. I sat down before the counselor and I said, I, I don't know why I'm here, but just something's not quite right internally. And so he went through the list of questions, you know, how's your marriage? Well, my wife was with me, so she verified, yeah, it's good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we went through the typical why you would go to a counselor kind of thing. And, and, and I just said, I don't know why I'm here, but it ended up being that I, I, we discovered that I woke up every morning of my life feeling as though I was worthless. The good part of that is it drove me to devotions every day, every morning of my life, because I got up with this negative, I'm no good, so I went to the Lord to overcome that. But the bad part of that was it was when, at first in my devotional life, it was trying to please God so he would love me. See, that's the soil of shame. Guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. And it's a horrible place to live when you live under the cloud of always feeling like I am the problem. 
I'm the reason that these things happen. Everybody else, if they have guilt, they can fix the behavior. And if you fix the behavior, you can change the feeling. But when it's not behavior, when it's just you, it's really hard to get out from under that cloud. Can anybody relate to that a little bit? Okay. And so Jesus said to us, if, if you speak to the mulberry tree, it has to be uprooted. And this whole thing is based on that parable that Jesus tells. Because the mulberry tree... Let let me, let me backtrack a little bit. The, the seeds that happen, the negative seeds that get planted in the soil of our heart, they're not, it, those are the bad ones. But when God created us, he put good seeds in us. Seeds of greatness and potential and destiny and purpose and, 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 and spiritual gifts and, and all those kind of things. One of the things I love about Coastline is we are helping people discover what those gifts and destinies and potential are in our life. But and, and Jesus said, if you speak to the mulberry tree, it will be uprooted. Um, the challenge to that is when a mulberry tree grows down, its roots intertwine with the roots of other trees, stealing the nutrients from the roots of that tree, killing or not allowing the roots of that tree, the fruit of that tree to be produced. And, I've, and in my life, I've often said, there were times, rather, I would be discouraged because I'd think if I didn't have those incidents and accidents in my life, then more of the good fruit would have grown. And that's when I'm having a pity poor me party. Has anybody ever had one of those? On the other hand, it doesn't take much for me to rejoice, to look backwards and recognize where I came from and look at the generational, cur- or the generational roots that God has allowed me to break and thank God that I'm a lot further along than I would have been outside of Jesus. Right, everybody? Isn't that what it's all about anyway, right? All right. So uh, that's just a little bit of background and uh, some, just some to kind of catch everybody up. Let me, I, I want to try my best to deal with this whole idea of a, a generational root. And so I'm going to try to give a lot to you. Um, it would be great if I had PowerPoint, but I wasn't prepared to have PowerPoint. And so most of us don't carry like old fashioned. Does anybody know what this is? This is like a real Bible, not, not a, a electric, electronic Bible. All right. So, um, it's like, wow, what is that big giant thing? You know? So, uh, it, I have mine right here. So, um, but, but so what I'm going to have to do tonight, instead of having all the words on the screen that we get accustomed to, is I hope you're ready to take some notes because I really want to base what I'm going to say tonight off some scripture. And, and so hopefully then you'll take the time to go and investigate some of the things that I'm sharing with you. So let's, let's look at generational uh, roots. Um, First of all, just jot, if you're writing notes, uh, uh, jot down Mark chapter number 5. And there's a very interesting story in Mark chapter number 5. I'm just going to hit some high points of it. And in Mark chapter number 5, it's where Jesus walks in uh, to a, a particular area and he finds a demon-possessed man. Does anybody know that story? And, and, and the demon-possessed man, he comes up to Jesus and falls at his feet and, and, and Jesus casts out the demons. He said, what's your name? They said, Legion. And, um, but here's the point I want to make. The demons begin to beg Jesus. And if you read this in Mark chapter number 5, something very curious that most of the time people just read right over. Jesus is getting ready to cast them out. And they say to Jesus, don't make us leave this region. 
Or, or another word in some translation says, don't make us leave this area, which can be translated, look, we got our foot in the door and, and we're going to leave this guy alone, but we don't want to leave anybody else in this area. Or could I paraphrase and say, in this family, right? And, and see, because what happens is the enemy will work very hard to plant the negative seeds in our life and, and, and he wants those seeds and those roots to continue to grow generation through generation through generation through generation. That's why in my life, he's very strategic. He'll plant those seeds of hurt but not, and fertilize it, but not bring it to harvest. Like in my life, I didn't even know I had anger issues until I got married. Why? Because that's the strategic plan of the enemy. He don't want to just destroy me. He wants the generational uh, uh, root to continue to grow and destroy my family through the same problems that destroyed my dad's family and the granddad's family and all of those kind of things. And so uh, it, it's very interesting. I, I would love to spend the time to go a little bit further with you on that thought, but, um, but it's very interesting. Uh, an enemy, the, the enemy will get a foothold into a family, and that's why we see generation after generation after generation has the same struggle. We'll see. It, it, it even works in other kind of ways because certain areas of the country have greater strongholds and certain sins that are more prevalent in certain areas of the country. Have you ever kind of thought about that? It's very interesting. Why does a prostitute stand on one street corner and that's real prevalent in that particular area, but it's not just a few blocks away? And, and if we think that's just coincident, no. It's, an, it's the enemy, it's the devil saying, this, we've... We take claim. This is our territory. And, and we have to be very adamant about removing him out of that ter- territory. Are you with me? Is that getting too spooky for you guys? Okay, well, sorry if it is. We're going to keep moving forward. All right. Uh, it's interesting, too, because there's even, it, this even, if you study this ethnically, sometimes you will even see there's certain, there's certain uh, uh, drugs and certain uh, proclivities that even certain uh, geographical or even sometimes ethnic groups have that tend to be their go-to. And, and, and I hope you understand that just for what it is. Um, because once the enemy gets a foothold into a family by planting those negative seeds, he's going to work to stay there. Now, guys, I want you to lean in on this a little bit. And I don't mean to leave women out because the devil's attacking women just as much as he's attacking men. But let me say this. The enemy will often get his foothold through the doorway of the father or the lack thereof. Because the father is called to be the priest of the home. The priest of the home. The guardian of the gate, if you would. In other words, come on, dads. Any dads in the place? There's dads in the place that that ain't happening in my house, right? Well, you should be saying it, all right? Uh, You know, that's not coming in my house. That activity is not going to happen. And in a generation of, of fatherlessness, then there's things that are trafficking in and out of the house. There's no guard at the gate. Let me, let me say it a different way. In Genesis chapter number 2, Adam was commanded by God to guard the garden. To guard the garden. I don't know where Adam was the day the serpent decided to come visit. Right? You, you follow what I'm saying? So many times the things that happen in our home, and particularly then the enemy uses those events to begin to plant the negative seeds in our life, Because someone wasn't standing on guard for your soul and your heart 
Does that make sense to anybody? Because many times, the enemy is after the children. He's after the soft, pliable soil of the heart while we're children. And, 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 and that's why, I mean, if we went across this room, most of the stories would sound something like, when I was a kid, my dad did this, or when I was a kid, this event, or when I was in the second grade, or those kind of stories. Because the enemy, from the day we enter into this world, he's working hard to plant those negative seeds in our life. And if we don't have a guardian of the home, whether it's a Uh, a spiritual father or a pastor or a leader or a coach or a mentor, then what happens is there's nobody there to help navigate and pull those weeds out of of the soil of a heart. And if that doesn't happen, then they begin to grow. Am I still, are you guys with me? Okay. Um, and, and, And it's true because all through scripture, we see the devil is always trying to attack the children. Study some of the greatest leaders of scripture and we'll find when they were babies that, that the devil tried tried to take them out. Moses, anybody know that story? Right? Moses, Joseph, Jesus, David, Samson, Daniel, the disciples. I mean, uh, it, it's just amazing that even as a child, he's constantly trying to take them out so that the generational root continues in our life. And so um, there, there's more on that. Let me, let me just share uh, here's one more, just side note. I'm not even sure how I'm going to tie this in, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. All right. Uh, uh, it's interesting that one of the most prevalent miracles in scripture was Jesus healing blind men. You, you see that miracle more often than anything else. And it was always a man. It was always a man. Because what happens is if a man loses his way, then I lose my way how to be a pastor and a priest to my wife and a pastor and a father to my children, therefore letting access into the doorway of my home gives the devil access to the soil of their heart. Is that making sense to anybody? And, and so, so many men, particularly in our society today, but it's not new, lose our vision. It's very interesting that the most prevalent miracle was Jesus healing blind eyes. And, and my prayer is just by doing a series like this and talking to you about this, it would cause us to stand up, rub our eyes and say, hold on just a second. I have, being a dad, I, sorry ladies, I don't mean to make this into a man conference, but, but, but being a dad comes with being a parent comes with tremendous responsibility right everyone Uh, let me try to give you a few thoughts on how to turn from generational curse into generational blessing I can't exhaust this in one session but but hopefully I can hit some high points all right everybody you ready to go write this down Luke chapter number one verse number 57 through 66 it's a very odd portion of scripture to bring when I'm talking about generational curse Uh, but it's the story of John the Baptist and his birth and I want to use that kind of as a backdrop because there's some dynamics that happen in his family. I'll give it again. Uh, Luke, I hear everybody asking. Luke chapter 1, verse number 57 through 66. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. But there's some dynamics in John the Baptist's home that are very significant that oftentimes we're just kind of reading the Christmas story and we kind of overlook some things. So l- let me draw a few things out. Let me read it to you. When it was time for Elizabeth, just real quick, for those of you that don't have 
the Bible background on this. Mary is the mother of Jesus. Elizabeth is her sister. And uh, so Elizabeth is uh, getting ready to have a baby also. All right? So when it was time, and, and Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is kind of the forerunner for Jesus. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day, the number eight is always the number of new beginnings. That's very significant in here, okay? On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father. That's That's a very interesting line, isn't it? They wanted to name him after his father. I want you to think about what we've talked about so far. In other words, they're getting ready to label him the same thing that was labeled before he got there. They were going to name him the same thing. Names are very significant in Scripture, and so they were going to put the same label on him. I'll never forget, I don't remember what grade I was in, but I'll never forget hearing a school counselor say to my mom, I, I was sitting outside, I'd gotten in trouble for something, and, and sitting outside the office, and I'll never forget, it still echoes in my mind, he will never amount to anything. It doesn't even matter if he finishes school. By the way, out of my entire family tree, I'm the very first person, this is how messed up my family tree is, I'm the very first person to ever even graduate high school. Yeah, I'm the very first person that's been married for any length of time at all. 27 years my wife and I have been married. All right? Um, Here's what I'm saying. They wanted to name me the same thing my father was named. Does that make sense? So they wanted to name him Zachariah. But I love this. Check out Mama. Mama got on the scene, you know. Look out when Mama's in the house, you know, all right. So, but his mother spoke up. Now, you don't have, if you have your Bibles in front of you, you're going to see this. If you don't have your Bibles in front of you, check this out. But his mother spoke up and she said, no. And there's an exclamation point. I love it because it wasn't like, nah, I don't know. Zach's not in this year, you know. I, you know, let's find something more trendy like apple or rain or, you know, I mean, you, you know, I mean, it wasn't like, nah, I don't know. She said, no, exclamation point. Like, no, somebody had to put their foot down. You're not going to label my son what has always been. You tracking with me so far? He, he, and, and, he, and she says, he is to be called John. All right. They said to her, there's no one amongst our relatives with that name. There's so much there. (laughs) Then they made signs to his father because, remember, his father was under a curse because he laughed when the angel said that Elizabeth was going to be pregnant, and so he was cursed and he couldn't talk. So I love this. They made signs to him because, you you know, hey, get me some paper, sounds like, you know, and what would you say, John, you know, that kind of thing. They, They made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, his, uh, he wrote, his name is John. The very first word in verse number 64 says, immediately His mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak praising God. Why? 
because he came into agreement that we're not going to label what was, but today is a new day. We're pulling the generational root out, and he agreed. Here's why that's so significant. Because the name John means grace. And when grace entered the scene, then what was doesn't matter anymore. But what what is, in other words, where you're at is not where you have to stay. Isn't that good? Don't you know we need the grace of God? I'm not getting too spooky on you, am I? Okay, all right. His mouth was open. Then number 65, the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the whole hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Do you know what? That's what's happened in my life. I, 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 I went to Washington and I, led, I, I took a little church up there for about four years and I show up on my first Sunday and my dad's ex-wife is sitting right over there with her new husband and their kids. Do you know they all got saved? My, 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 my dad came, sat on the front row, and his new wife, and she got saved, and her daughter got saved, and her daughter's husband got saved, and their three kids got saved. One of my brothers got saved, and families and friends. Here's what was happening. When grace entered, it started pulling the generational curse out, and it began to spread throughout all the country. Okay, if that isn't exciting, let me, let me try to do something else. I'll turn a cartwheel while I tell this. Well, I'm sorry, it's a, I feel like an old school preacher up here all of a sudden. Watch this. Um, I just told Tim, too, I love just conversational talking, and I'm like a spaz tonight. So, and, 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 but but the, the, the news spread throughout all the land. Here's the news I care about. Here's the people that I'm glad that it's affecting. I have a son named Jake, and I have a daughter named Janessa. Janessa's on staff here. Jake's waiting to go on staff with Patty and I and his wife. And she's sold out to God and he's sold out to God. My daughter's sold out to God. That's the news that I'm excited about. Right, everybody? Come on. All right. So I'm going to try to give you some, all right? There's probably 10 or 12 of them. I'll probably get six to you. You guys ready to go? Here's how, we, here, here's how we change. Number one, it begins with a relationship with Christ. Everything begins with a relationship with Christ. If we're going to turn generational curses into generational blessings, you have to have a relationship with Christ. It's just that simple. Let me just give you something that's kind of trivial, but... But if I have time, I'll come back around to it and connect the dots. The very last word in the Old Testament, Aaron's done some incredible jobs about teaching us about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The very last word in the Old Testament is the word curse. The very first word in Jesus' spoken ministry, the very first message he preached in Matthew chapter number 5, Sermon on the Mount, the very first word he speaks is the word blessed. So how do you transition from curse, generational curse, to generational blessing? You stop getting labeled what it's always been, and you let grace enter in and be the forerunner of that. John the Baptist. What's in between the curse and the blessing? There's a story of John the Baptist. There's a story of grace. We need God's grace to make the transition. Right, everyone? You with me on that? That's number one. Number two is that if we're going to transition from generational curse to generational blessing. Number two is, and these, like, I don't know, they don't really sound all polished, but we have to associate with the right people and places. Let me read something to you about the story of John the Baptist. Um, 
Next week, I'm going to talk about the social roots and how to change social systems in our life that will affect the roots in our life. Because birds of a feather... Okay, we'll talk about that next week. But, but Luke chapter number 1, verse number 41, watch this. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting... Here's two pregnant gals, right? Here's Mary coming with, 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 with Jesus. And here's Elizabeth coming pregnant with John the Baptist... And here's what the Bible says. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, they're visiting each other, probably having a baby shower, I don't know. Here's what the Bible says. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to hang around people that cause the good seeds of potential and destiny, the things that God has placed on the inside, to leap inside of you. Isn't it true there's certain people you get around and it just makes you feel alive? I can go further, I can run faster, I can do more, I'm more than a conqueror. And isn't it true there's certain people around that they just want to step on those seeds, right? And all they want to do is stand there and pour the fertilizer on the bad roots of your life. You see, you got to, there comes a time, I I think we ought to have a big circle of love, but sometimes in the process of healing, we got to have a smaller circle of those that are helping us get healed. When when I decide, in my life, I recognized I had so many shortcomings, so I had to start hanging out with the right people. I started, I was a pastor, I started looking at people in my church and go, man, they got a great family. And I just started inviting me and Patty over to their house and hanging out with them. (laughs) Like, hey, what's up? And I would just watch how they would parent and how they would... We have this family named the Kleins. The, the guy had seven daughters. Come on, if he was still in his right, man, uh, his right mind, how many know he was doing something all right? You know what I'm talking about? And they had an eighth kid, and it was a boy, and they, then they quit. You know, the poor little guy, you know, but anyway... Uh, but I, I used to just invite myself to hang out with him. I would watch him because there was something about him that caused something inside of me that God had planted in me before the foundations of the world that the devil had tried to choke out, but it made me feel alive, like, I can do that thing. Does that make sense? You've got to get around the right people. Um, sometimes, sometimes that means saying no to some wrong people. Oh, yeah, but we just love everybody. Not until you can stand up. I mean, love them, but that doesn't mean you've you got to, you, you know, be with them all the time. Does it, does it, um. Here's what that means. That's why just any person doesn't do. That's why just dating anybody doesn't do. That's why just any sermon doesn't do. Any church doesn't do. You've got to be in a church that resonates, that helps, that, that helps ignite and stir that gift, that thing that God put in you. Um, all right, that's good enough on that one then. All right, let's go. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> Number three is you have to call on God's grace. I've kind of already talked about that, but let me break it down just a little bit further. Um, um, you have to remember that seeds come, part of, sometimes seeds come from the spoken words over us. And so in Luke chapter number uh, one, the verses that I read, verse number 59... Let me just bring it back to your remembrance. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. Remember that? And the father said his name's going to be Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, it's going to be John. Well, that's what has to happen. Grace has got to enter. You've got to call on God's grace. 
this isn't like Anthony Robbins' self-helps, I can do this. This is, God, you have to intervene because I'm not just fighting for my life. I'm fighting. See, what the, when the enemy gets caught and because he's been stealing, the Bible says when he gets caught, he has to pay back seven times what he has stolen. You see, I'm standing in the gap today. And let me tell you, the person that's going to break the curse, you've got a battle on your hands. I'll just tell you, because you're fighting strongholds of years and years of things and, and certain maybe perhaps proclivities and temptations and, and it, it, those kind of things. And so if you think you're just going to do this because I took this little class, that is not going to happen. You've got to call. You've got to be like what mama did in here. Elizabeth said no with an exclamation point. No, devil, you're not having my children. You're not having my marriage. I stand with an exclamation point and say, absolutely not. I call on the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that's the only way it will happen. Right, everybody? All right. Um, um, uh, Just because I'm probably trying to hurry, I might say that's good enough on that one too. (laughs) Here, let, Let me just throw this in there real quick. I think it's interesting that Elizabeth was barren. Until God intervened. See, God knows how to take a house that has never had joy and never had peace and never had wealth and never had health and never had... God knows how to take that and transition it. If, 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 see, you guys see Ken Hubbard on the platform. Overseer Ken Hubbard. Polished up, brushed my teeth Ken Hubbard. But if you could just see for a minute where I came from, You'd be shocked. You'd be blown away. You would say, there is no way that God could take that barren womb and make that out of it? Wow. Uh, That takes grace, everybody. That takes amazing grace. Uh, Yeah. Number four. We have to learn to choose our words very carefully. And I'm going to say it this way. We have to speak what has never been spoken. Okay? Some of us get in the rut of just repeating and reinforcing things, negative things that have been said over our lives. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. And, 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 and we have ways of repeating that. Luke chapter number 1 in verse number 61, again, his mother said, or, or excuse me, the relative said, there is no one, grab a hold of this, There is no one among your relatives with that name. Mama said, no, his name's going to be John. You know what she was willing to do? She's willing to prophesy, if you would. She was able to speak what has never been spoken. My kids, when they were still in the womb, I began to speak over them things that had never gotten spoken over me. I began to speak fatherly blessings on their life. Things that had never got spoken to me. Does that make sense? And sometimes you might have to be the one to speak those things over yourself. Our words frame our universe, everybody. Listen, we're created in the image of God. Would everybody at least give me that one, right? And what did God do when he wanted to create? He stepped up on nothing because there was nothing to stand on and said, let there be. Boom. And he formed the world by his words. And we're in his image. And we form and frame our worlds by our words. 
You have to speak to things that have never been spoken through the generations. You know what they spoke over my generations? You're a loser. You're a drunk. You're a this. You're a that. You're a failure. And the list goes on. I had to stop letting those labels, daddy's name, be on me. Just because that's where you come from. One of my sayings I say almost every time I preach is where you're at is not where you have to stay. And where you come from is not where you have to stay. And what you have is not all that you can have. You've got to be speaking where you're going and speak the things that God has said. Remember the thing I taught you week number one? Jesus said this. You have to say to the mulberry tree. All right? Um, and so the, the relatives are always saying, well, nobody's ever been named that. Hey, nobody's ever graduated high school. Hey, nobody's been drug-free. Hey, nobody's ever stayed married. Hey, nobody's been out of prison. Hey, nobody's ever been named a preacher in our family. Hey, hey, how about this? Nobody's ever been named overcomer. Nobody's ever been named uh, clear mind, pure, holy, child of God, victorious, wealthy, happier, conqueror. I just keep going. Nobody's maybe ever been named that, but you got to stand up and say, hey, but it starts today, everybody. Right? Um, let's see how we doing on time. Man, you guys are slow listeners, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> it's one of my roots I love to blame. And uh, so um, you got to proclaim the name that's never been spoken. Speak what has never been spoken. And here's what I love about it. Did you catch this part of the story? As soon as the dad wrote John, he was set free. He was able to speak. And what did he do? Praise God. The, bond, the, the bondage was broken. The curse was broken as soon as he proclaimed grace. I believe the process, I think that grace is the fertilizer that fertilizes the good roots and kills the bad roots. We've got to speak grace. Um, number five. Uh, I'm trying to... I want to give you a few more. Number five is you have to, you, you really do have to appreciate your past. In other words, what I mean by that is it would be very easy for me to be bitter. Very easy. Um, I love that. Let me just give you this scripture reference. Matthew chapter number three, verses number three through four. Um, it says, there was a voice, call, they're, they're talking about John the Baptist. There was a voice calling out of the wilderness. Um, out of the wilderness. Uh, in other words, John came from a tough place. There's a section about him that we don't know about his life, but he was in the desert or in the wilderness. Uh, can anybody relate what it is to be in the wilderness, in the desert, to come out of a dry, tough, barren place? Um, and he came out of all that. John, there, there was the season in John's life that he came out of the wilderness and he's saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the paths for him. And this is interesting. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. And he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Um, um, he, here, here's all I want to say is you've got to go ahead and be willing to embrace, forgive your past, forgive those generations. Because if you don't forgive those generations, God can never pull that out. And this is not about blaming dad and mom. It's not. It's about recognizing an enemy that started a long time ago. Uh, he came. 
my dad didn't fulfill the destiny that God had on his life. God called him to greatness. Um, but he never came out of the wilderness, or he hasn't yet. Does that make sense? Um, and so I'm not mad at them. It's okay for me to embrace because I look backwards and it makes me praise God for where he's brought me. And so if you look backwards with bitterness and anger and hatred and revenge, and you'll never be able to come out of that. So, so embrace it from the standpoint that what the devil meant for bad, God has the ability. See, everybody wants a testimony, but nobody wants to test. <laughs> you know what I mean? Can I just tell you that your misery can become your ministry? I know that sounds so Christian cliche and almost cheesy, but I had some misery back there. But I embrace it from the standpoint that, man, I came out of the wilderness, and I'm so glad now because I look at what God has done. Amen, everybody? Uh, I know I'm kind of shotgunning a few of those. Let, let, me put, let me give you... Let's try to do two more. Can we do two more? Number six. Here, here's something I think we have to do. Um, this sounds silly, but you've got to put on the right clothes. <laughs> that sounds silly, but there's places all through Scripture that says, uh, he, He's given me, uh, I've traded a, a, a garment of heaviness for the garment of praise. Or uh, Ephesians talks about put on the new you. Um, do you know sometimes we just have to... Uh, let me say it this way. Sometimes you're going to act yourself into feeling rather than feel yourself into acting. See, sometimes you just need to get up and act like a king's kid when you don't feel like a king's kid. Sometimes you need to get up and act like a conqueror when you don't feel like a conqueror. The Bible does say put on. Is that being hypocritical? No, it's a work of faith. I'm going to act like I'm a great father even though, man, I don't have a clue what I'm doing, right? So you have to put on. I love this little thought. This is such a kind of, I don't really have time to really develop it totally, so I almost hate to give it to you, but watch this. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. I want you to think about something. Um, throughout the Bible, animals are a type of beastly passions. Remember, God told Adam, have dominion over the beast. Remember Cain? God said, there's a beast of sin standing at your door. But John, so, so in other words, John could have came out of the desert riding on a camel, uh, but instead, he's carrying, if, if you could just see the symbolism, uh, again, I'm probably just really selling you short on this, but he's carrying the thing that used to carry him. Here's what I want to say. Am I ever going to have no anger? No. But anger used to carry me, now I carry it. Let me say it another way. Emotions used to control me, now I control my emotions. Right? And, and, and sometimes that's simply, I'm going to put joy on. I'm going to choose this day who I'm going to serve. I'm going to choose. You know what? Life is like a stage, and you're the director. You get to write the script. You get to choose the actors. You get to choose. Write your script. Instead of letting circumstances carry you, you're an overcomer. I don't care where you come from. Now you carry those things that wanted to carry you. You control the things that used to control you. Does that? Okay. Number seven is uh, you got to eat the right stuff. <laughs> Just write it down. Don't ask questions. All right. You got to eat the right stuff. All right. And here's what I mean by that. 
We have to put the right things in. Listen, if your problem is anger, the last thing you need to be doing is putting things in that make you more angry. For years, I wouldn't read, or I I didn't watch the news, because man, when I seen a story that reminded me of something, I was like, whoa, you know, I was like ready to kick the TV over, and all of a sudden, I would notice myself in a bad mood, because you got to eat the right stuff. In other words, you got to put the right stuff in if you're going to get the right stuff out. The Bible is very clear about the things we put in our heart is the things that come out in our life, And, um, and, and so there's so much to be said about that, but let me just say this. John the Baptist came out eating locusts. I I find this kind of fascinating. He's eating locusts. This dude is a wild-looking dude coming out of the desert, right? I mean, he's got a camel coat on. He's eating locusts. got honey dripping off his beard. I mean, it's like he's not coming to church here, you know? (laughs) And uh, he's eating locusts. Locusts is what caused the wilderness that he came out of to be barren. Yeah, that's, I just thought I'd let it sink in for a minute. Before the locust came to John, he turned the tables and began to eat or devour the very thing that devoured him. You see, I had to stand in the gap, and there are certain things now that tried to devour me, that did devour my mom, that did devour my dad, that did devour my granddad and my great-granddad, but I turned the tables through grace and the Lord Jesus Christ, and now in my children's life, I'm devouring the thing that would have devoured them if I hadn't called grace into my life. Is that making sense, everybody? They, 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 they have started on a whole nother level because the things that devoured that generation, I began to devour, I began to interrupt so that they wouldn't be barren like the previous generations, and now they are experiencing the bounty of God because we, are, we have taken and, and, and devoured the thing that wanted to devour them. Does that make any sense at all? I know I'm trying to do this so fast. Uh, You know what? I devoured for them abandonment. My kids have no clue what it feels like to be abandoned. Um, All right, enough said on that one. Number eight. (laughs) Oh, I only told you two more, right? Let me give you this last one, all right? I'll, I'll just give it to you. Um, it's 7.58. I promised you I'd stop at 8, so don't say keep going. Um, I love this last little part. I'll, I'll end with this. I love this last little part. It says he was eating locusts and honey. I love that, that whole thing. Anybody here like honey? You know what, uh, what's so cool about honey? Honey is not bitter. What is it? It's sweet. I think when you break the generational roots, you don't walk around bitter about yesterday. There's something about your yesterday that is almost like honey. Man, because all I got to do is turn around for a moment, and it, it doesn't make me get angry. It makes me praise God. Wow. That Miss Rose on her day off, would drive another bus and ask me if I wanted to go to church. I only have to look around for a moment, and I'm not bitter at mom or mad at dad. I rejoice because in grace changed me from 
curse to blessing. Um, wild honey speaks of sweetness, and uh, sweetness speaks of thankfulness. So let's just close your notes. I'm done talking. Um, can I just say, um, you know, Aaron did something Sunday that I thought was so cool. He said, what would it sound like if we just praised God? And it was just an amazing thing. And that's kind of how I'm going to end tonight, if that's okay. I hope, man, I was kind of a spaz tonight trying to get you a lot of things. Did you get anything out of that at all? Did it make some sense? Okay. (laughs) Can we do this? Either I want you to do it because God has helped you transition already or because you have faith in God's grace that you will transition and let's just get some wild honey dripping in here tonight. Can we do it? Can we just set our notes aside? And can we do what Aaron did Sunday? And can we, in faith and in rejoicing, can we just give God like a 10-second thanks fest? Can we do it? In fact, we ought to stand to do that, all right? I'm going to let you stand. I'm going to count to three, and we're just going to give them like a great pep rally. You guys ready? Come on, let's let the honey flow right now. Come on, let's praise our God today. Amen. Come on. Amen. Come on. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Isn't that good? Hey, hey, everybody, when you start to lose your praise, just for a minute, look backwards and think what could have been. Oh, I'm not where I want to be yet, (laughs) but I'm certainly not where I was. (laughs) Come on, everybody. All right, all right. I got to let you go. I got to let you go. Oh, my wife and I are going to try to jump back at the back, and uh, we want to let you know, again, I'm just stirring up the issues. If you have not been in a life small group, there, that's the play. I'm just stirring the pot, okay? I can't get to all the issues, but there is a specific small group here at Coastline that is designed to help you start peeling back the onion layers and diving into those things. Um, if, you've, uh, if you've never been through it, they launch this, uh, this fall, September, just in a few weeks. If you have been through it already, I believe, I mean, look around here, another packed house. Here's what I believe. I think there's going to be a lot of people this semester go through. So if you've been through it, we need some leaders to help guide and do the tour guide. Right, everybody? And so um, could you help my wife real quick, ladies? Would you help Patty at the door with those so that everybody gets one? And uh, I'll pray. You guys slip out real quick. And uh, don't you move or may the fleas of a thousand camels find your armpit. All right? Come on, let me pray real quick. You guys go ahead. (laughs) They're afraid to leave now. All right, here we go. Let's pray. I want to ask God's blessing on you. Father, I love you. I pray this little simple message of my life will help. Thank you for the story of John the Baptist. Thank you for your grace. I pray your blessing go with us. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just bring revelation to us. And God, that tonight is just another building block in the process of us becoming all that you've called us to be. We love you. Give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody.